2: It's 17.30 GMT. This is Eyewitness News on 97.3 CTFM. I am Umaru Sanda Amado. Tonight, I'm here with... Akusia Ochi. Coming up, over the next 90 minutes, the city is doing well against the dollar. Fuel prices are reducing. A sign of positive things to come. Also, would that mean the cost of transport will be reduced? There's a discussion and analysis here on Eyewitness News. Also, coming up, If we stop
3: being beggars and spend Africa's monies inside the continent, Africa would not need to ask for respect from anyone.
2: President Akufado begs African leaders to stop begging at a forum that was organised in the land of the people we go to beg from. An irony is it, we'll be asking that question here on Eyewitness News. And later on Eyewitness News... Achatala...
3: and the
2: It's a night that the Moroccan national team carries the hopes and dreams of the continent of Africa as they play the defending World Cup champions. France will be live in their capital, Rabat, to test the mood ahead of the crucial semi-finals, which will be in some two hours from now. Stay with 97.3 City for more on
4: this and many other stories on Eyewitness News. And in business... Ghana's inflation rate soars further to hit 50.3% in November 2022.
2: That's in 50 minutes with Nettili Netti of the City Business Desk. Eyewitness News is live across Ghana on a number of affiliate stations, including Tungsung 97.3 FM in Wa in the Upper West Region, Tanga 93.7 FM in Bolga in the Upper East Region, Radio Bimbila 91.9 FM in the Northern Region, Revival, 99.3 FM in Tajewu and Cool, 103.5 FM in Ho, both in the Volta region. In the Ashanti region, we are on Focus, 94.3 FM in Kumasi. Orange, 107.9 FM in Kumasi. In the Bono region, we are on Greener, 95.9 FM in Sunyani. In the Western region, we are on Beach, 105.5 FM in Takradi. Sky Power, 93.5 FM also in Takradi. Do send us your message. The WhatsApp number is 549 9 6 996 6. 05 9 996 Do send us your messages on Facebook. If you're watching us live on Facebook, drop your messages and the world will hear what do you think. This is Eyewitness News broadcasting from Adabakai Nakra. I am Umaru Sandamadu here with Akosya Ochi, who brings us a fair story.
0: Continuous increases in prices of housing, electricity and other fuels have pushed Ghana's inflation rate to hit 50.3% for the month of November 2022. This was captured in the Consumer Price Index data released by the Ghana Statistical Service on Wednesday. Per the data, food inflation hit 55.3% from October's rate of 43.7% and also non-food inflation also shot up by 7.2% to 46.5% in November. Here's the government statistician Professor Samuel Kobina enim highlighting the impact of the main drivers on the increases. On
5: a year-on-year basis, inflation stood at 50.3%, indicating that prices of goods and services between November 2021 and November 2022 went up by 50.3%. Disaggregating this from a food and non-food inflation perspective, food inflation recorded November 2022 inflation 55.3%, non-food inflation 46.5%, indicating an 8.8 percentage point difference between food and non-food inflation for the month of November 2022. From the perspective of locally produced items and imported items, imported items continue to record the highest rate of inflation of 55.1%, rising from 43.7% for the month of October 2022, and inflation for locally produced items, 48.3%, again, indicating an increase from 39.1% for the month of October 2022. Between domestic inflation and inflation of imported items, the differential was 6.8 percentage points for the month of of November 2022.
0: On a regional level, Eastern region recorded the highest inflation rate of 63.3%. This was followed by the Greater Accra region with an inflation rate of 61.6%. Professor Samuel Kobina, I the government statistician, explain what is accounting for this trend.
5: From a regional perspective, we identified Eastern region recording the highest rate of inflation of 63.3% and the Volta region recording the least inflation of 34.5%. On a month-on-month basis, between October 2022 and November 2022, prices of goods and services went up by 8.6%, having recorded a 27 rate of inflation for the month of October 2022. Disaggregating this from a food and non-food perspective, on a month-on-month basis, food inflation stood at 10.4% relative to 86 for overall, and non-food inflation 7.2%. That
0: was a government statistician, Professor Samuel Kobina, rather, Inim.
2: This is Eyewitness News on 97.3 CTF, and we are coming to you from our studios in Adabraka, in Accra. So, inflation is still rising. Uh, let's test that first before we look at other uh, factors in the speeds that we are considering, the exchange rate, uh, which is also a big issue, and the cost of fuel. Professor Peter Kuote is an economist, and he's joined us for some analysis on this. Prof, you're welcome to Eyewitness News. Uh, thank you, and good
6: evening to your discerning listeners.
2: Good evening to you, too. It appears that inflation just keeps skyrocketing and it has shown no sign of coming down, even though we are seeing some positive figures from the exchange rate uh, table. Is it the case that we are reaping the negative benefits of what we have sold over the years, and for which reason our inflation keeps rising that much? Um, yes, to some extent. But let me say that if, if you look
6: at inflation, this um demand and supply, uh, causes of inflation. What we've seen is, is that the, um, global oil price increases, as well as the global food, uh, supply chain challenges, uh, the Russia-Ukraine war effect, and, um, the general cost of living, particularly the depletion of the city. You know, the, we import oil, finished product. So anytime the exchange rate depreciates, you have a knock-on effect on poor prices at the farm, and also have some effect on price, general prices, food, uh, food items, and many other sectors. So the exchange rate is a major anchor, and we've seen the exchange rate depreciate quite rapidly. It was less than 60 days or so at the beginning of the year, and then it rose a higher 15, 16 to the dollar thankfully it is coming down and we are likely to see the effect uh, um, in the coming months or two so that that is a major factor yes you mentioned about the the things of the past that is very true we have borrowed um compared to our neighbors or uh, we have borrowed quite rapidly and so high that our debt gdp ratio is one of the highest within the sub region when you borrow to that extent and you have no room or any cushion, then any any room for any, any eventuality, um, when the shocks arrive, then you are caught hands uh, down. So exactly what we find ourselves in, we have borrowed too much. When the Russian-Ukraine war and the other things set in, uh, we have no cushion, we have no buffer. We couldn't borrow again to stabilize the exchange rate, and that had knock-on effect on food size and many other items uh, on the market as well.
2: It's often said that it will get worse before it gets better, but how worse is it going to get? Looking at the trend that we've been recording, the statistical service has been making that announcement, and even talking about the statistical service, the figures that are coming through, considering that the Statistical Service is a government agency, and over the period we know how people have been treating government agencies. Is it possible that even the figures that have been reported are, quote-unquote, massaged? Interesting. Um, Yes, it
6: it, it, it gets worse before it gets better, but I think we are gradually seeing some uh, signs. I mean, you find that on the exchange rate market tells you that the market is gradually stabilizing. But in fact, we will not see it now. Maybe if uh, we see December figures and January figures, we see some tapering of the uh, rate of inflation. But but having said that, I think with the figures that we are seeing, um, statistical service has been the only mandated institution with the resources to collect the kind of data that we need to analyze inflation. I don't think any other institution has the capacity to do so. And these are the figures we have relied on over the years. I think it's not 100%, but it's close to the ideal. Uh, And therefore, uh, one can confidently say that the figures we are turning is what is guiding us in terms of inflation. I don't think anybody out there would massage uh, figures. uh, Say that unit is headed by a very competent colleague of mine, and I'm very confident that he would not um, be coerced or he would not do that. Uh, so, those are the figures, and that, that is why our rate of inflation is even higher than what you find in the sub region. If it was massage, we will try and be at par with other um, West African or other regions. But ours is one of the highest. It tells you that uh, there's very uh, or, or little or no no massage, I mean, it may have little errors, data collection, and you might have um, errors, human errors here and there. But I think, on the whole, I am very confident in the figures that are being shown now.
2: I think the one that hits hard or hardest would be the food inflation, and that one is physical. We see it in the markets. The Ministry of Agric intervened by bringing foodstuffs to Accra to sell, with the hope that uh, people would be getting food at cheaper rates. Do you think that was a, a policy that perhaps can help deal with the situation or it is just one small drop in a mighty ocean of problems?
6: I think that it not a signal though that it could be done, I mean, across the country, but I, I feel it's a just reaction. Uh, we could have done better than, than that. Mm-hmm. Going up, we had food distribution company, uh, the Ghana food distribution company, that had here uh, across different parts of the country, uh, such as the a, a, a urban area. So uh, they were distributing food. So if, if we want to do, go that route, I expect the Ministry of Agriculture to work through either the stock Company or have some of this uh, distribution out there. But if you just centralize at the uh, ministry, uh, how many people can go to the ministry to go and you saw what what the market women were doing uh they they hustling you know playing for for uh plantain and how many decent people like you and i maybe you you may be able to do that, but i I am not strong enough to go and and fight for plantain et etc so I think we can do this in a much more organized manner and um, it's a positive signal that you don't want to encourage profiteering, so you send a signal to the market queens, but I think we could have done this
2: very well what about the CD it seems to be looking good on the forex tables what are we getting right or this is just a natural of things which we do not really play any role in
6: I think I see some self correction happening I mean the retortification was solved was very uh, abnormal we haven't seen that in a very long time um, the loss of credibility is in, in the currency um, in the local economy, made people change every city they had into um, dollars and stored as a uh, kept as a store of value. With uh, the IMF uh, coming on board, I mean the, the progress made so far with the IMF is, is turning positive signals. The debt exchange itself, initially, people were not sure of the nature, the form of the debt exchange program, so they were very apprehensive. They kept their money. In, in all forms of investment uh, some kept it in homes but now that it's been announced that uh, individuals might not suffer treasury uh, bill holders will not suffer individual bond holders will not suffer it's much clearer now I think that communication could have come a bit earlier than before but uh, better late than never. so that's sending a very positive signal to the market that look this is it this is, and we saw that the uh, treasurable market, I mean, the, the option that was done was by surprise. It tells you that now people are moving into uh, treasurable. They don't have more confidence in investing in government, uh, treasurables, et cetera. So all of that, plus the Bank of Ghana's own monetary policy, um, the tightening of the monetary uh, money supply, and then the, by increasing the policy rate itself. is also a signal. Then the idea of uh, the supply of dollars to the O itself is developing in, in terms of pressure on the exchange rate, uh, as well as the ban on the or the the, yes, uh, the supply of foreign currency to I mean the ban on certain imports uh, that uh, we are not going to supply foreign currency to import certain commodities. All of that is saving, uh, putting less pressure on the dollar. So it, it's all contributing towards that. Then finally one can talk about the global market Oil prices are declining. Um, there is a the prediction that there's going to be a recession in, in Europe and across parts of the world in 2023. So, demand for oil itself is going to go down. And if that happens, uh, we need less dollars to import our oil. And that is also helping the exchange rate. So, it's, it's must be a combination of factors that is causing the relative stability we are seeing on the exchange rate market.
2: So, we should be hopeful that. It is going to be get, getting better at the forex bureaus.
6: I I, I am very confident I'm hopeful. Uh, especially if we're able to fill through with the IMF uh, program, that is going to bring in uh, about $3 billion. Then the other bilateral, bilateral donors uh, will come on board to give us loans at concessional rates better than what we've been borrowing on the capital markets at 8-9%. Their rates are usually lower, two percent, one percent, etc. So we should be going for more of that if they are available, and and that would increase the supply of foreign currency on the market. The confidence factor, the confidence that the IMF brings on board. But having said that, I think any IMF program also comes with a pain. Debt that is bringing pain. Um, no freeze on employment is going to bring pain in hardship. and hardship, and many other things that. Um, and an austerity program brings to a country. But these are temporary measures that if we are able to go through, um, we stabilize and pick up the
2: pieces. Would this affect the inflation for this month when it is reported next month?
6: I should expect some, uh, if it's going to increase at all, marginal increase, I, I should expect inflation to start going down. Given that uh, uh, prices are the pumps going down, given that exchange rate uh, is also um, relatively uh, stabilizing. The only challenge we have in Ghana is that prices are sticky downwards. When things are not okay, quickly, uh, uh, traders, market women, uh, do we, we increase our prices. But when things are favorable, uh, a downward reduction is very sticky. You know, we are very slow in responding. But I expect that the pressure would ensure that they reduce their prices.
2: Otherwise, people will not buy. Thank you so much for speaking to us, Prof. My
6: pleasure.
2: That's Professor Peter is an Economist. This is Eyewitness News on 97.3 CTFM. So if the city is doing well and the cost of crude is also going down, then what the natural expectation would be is that when you board your trotro home tonight, the fare should be down. And also it means that at the fuel station... Your fuel should not cost as much as it was costing a few weeks ago. But the people who are supposed to be in charge of that, and even in the markets, the people who sell to you, who have blamed the CD and the petrol for the cost of the things in their shops, they should also be reducing their things, shouldn't they? That's the next conversation we're going to have when we come back.
0: Eyewitness News Be there as it happens.
7: Let your voice be heard on Eyewitness News on
3: Facebook at facebook.com forward slash city 973 Twitter at twitter.com forward slash city 973 and Instagram at instagram.com forward slash
2: ct973 with the hashtag Eyewitness News. You're welcome back to Eyewitness News on 97.3 CTF. And Duncan is Executive Secretary of the Chamber of Petroleum Consumers. Duncan, you're welcome to... Eyewitness News: The fuel station boards are looking beautiful now, Andy. What? What's accounting for that?
1: Ah, uh, Sandra. Good evening. Good evening to your listeners. Uh, indeed, we would expect to see them a lot more beautiful than they currently are, and I think I would use your medium to appeal to the uh, various OMCs uh, to ensure that Ghanians do get the kind of You know, relief, uh, that they deserve following from, uh, the strong showing of the city. And then again, also from international price, uh, indexes, uh, who, which are also doing quite, quite well currently. If you are a consumer, uh, globally, crude has done, uh, about 8% within the past, uh, 10 days reduction. Uh you talk of petrol, you are doing nine percent uh per metric. You talk of diesel, uh you do more than uh eight percent for diesel house LPG is around seven point five percent drop within the last ten days. Uh coupled with this is also a very strong currency uh whose if if you measure uh over the past two weeks. It's probably recording between 30 and 40%, uh, appreciation from the 14.8, uh, previous figures to currently, uh, when I checked as of this evening before, uh, this interview, uh, some of the Forex bureaus were actually quoting 8.8, uh, 8.6. Uh, that is quite, 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 um, a jump. And so, like, uh, Professor Peter Corte indicated, uh, the hikes that we saw, uh, in the month of October, uh, September ending October, uh, if you just suppose with what the dynamics currently look like, uh, one would expect that we would have, uh, a lot more relief than the market so far has thrown at us per our calculations in house. Uh, we would be expecting that within the coming window, which starts on the 16th, uh, which is, uh, Friday, uh, perhaps you shouldn't be paying more than 13 Ghana cities, uh, for petrol. Uh, you shouldn't also be paying anything more than 15 Ghana city, uh, for a liter of diesel, while LPG, uh, is also to decline by at least, uh, 10% on current uh, prices per kilogram, thunder.
2: And, and this next window should be by what time?
1: Uh, it's to commence on the 16th, and so that should be on Friday. Uh, already, let me comment one of the OMC's, uh, Star Oil. Uh, we've been sending commendation notes. Uh, they have already taken the lead, uh, dropping pump prices. Uh, from previous, is it 14.48? Uh, uh, they've dropped by almost one Ghana city, uh, even before the new window began. Uh, others, I'm sure, have seen Zen Petroleum also done some reductions, even before the second window uh, for December kicks in. So our expectations are quite high. I did speak to uh, a section of the VDC market. Uh, they are probably looking to do anything between 8 and almost 15%. And so, Sanda, all things being equal, uh, Ghanaian should go into the Christmas, uh, festivity, uh, with fuel prices much lower, uh, than the past two, three months has thrown at us. Uh, we are looking at, uh, possibly going beyond, uh, the 10 Ghana, uh, per liter mark in the coming days. If the city uh, run uh, should uh, be sustained. But that said, the coming window which commences on Friday, it is our expectation that most of the major oil marketing companies uh, within Ghana will probably be trading uh, petrol between 12 and 13 Ghana cities. So While diesel uh, could go for anything around 15 Ghana cities so a liter.
2: You do not see any mishap coming up where we would be paying more than We are currently paying, based on maybe an unforeseen circumstance, perhaps Russia's bombs drop further into the heart of uh, Ukraine? The
1: figures uh, that we are talking of currently are weighted averages uh, over the past fortnight. So, like I indicated, the past 10 days are seen a relatively uh, solid run of the local currency that uh, that cannot be taken away from us so if we woke up tomorrow morning and the city uh, is even depreciating what do you Ghanians currently uh is the two week weighted average uh figures uh for which we think that uh anything between 8 and 15% uh by friday uh could be fair uh we do not foresee any of the omcs uh resisting or trying to, you know, come back with the same old games that, uh, if you recall in the past, whenever prices are to head downward, uh, you hear excuses of we made losses in previous windows and because of those losses, uh, we'll stay prices and, uh, in order to be able to recoup those losses. Uh, we do not anticipate any of the OMCs doing this. In fact, uh, we think it will be the best Christmas present that they can give Ghanians following from a very, very, very hectic year, uh, as 2022 has clearly uh, panned out to be.
2: Should we also expect a gift from the Chotra owners?
1: Sander, um, I must admit that I'm the first to always defend the commercial transport operators uh, when it comes to the fare adjustment or increases. Um, we would use your medium equally. Uh, to join the many Ghanaians, the millions uh, who are clearly waiting for our commercial transport operators uh, to show a sign of good faith with them uh, in these times. If you recall the last time commercial transport fares were adjusted, uh, you were looking at uh, fuel prices hovering around 13 Ghana City. Uh, then they did the 19%. Then we jumped to sixteen and then uh, diesel went to about twenty three and then they came back to add another twenty percent uh which escalated uh I mean transport fares completely. Uh at this point diesel is not doing too badly, at least there's been some five Ghana City reduction. Uh if you add what we are expecting on Friday uh to come to about fifteen Ghana cities, from twenty three to fifteen Ghana cities. Sander, Aid uh, Ghana City is such a jump. Uh, we will be utterly disappointed if any of the commercial transport operators from Friday uh, continue to make the excuses that they have made uh, in recent times that they are not going to reduce transport fares. Sander, uh, this will not just be a radio conversation. We will take steps equally uh, to also approach them, uh, to explain to them the need To drop, I mean, the very high transport fares uh, that Ghanaians are currently being charged, because if your fuel uh, has done almost 30-40% drop, uh, it doesn't bode uh, well or in the line of, you know, good faith and proper uh, public interest argument for any of the transport operators, including uh, the VVIP. If you recall, they also had come out to increase their fares. Uh, generously, not long ago, uh, for the long uh, distance travels. Uh, we'll be approaching all of them, and it will be our expectation that at least the kind of relief that the city is uh, throwing to the economy currently, the kind of relief that international uh, benchmarks are also throwing at uh, fuel consumers, uh, the trough operators or the commercial transport operators uh, will not go to sleep on this and make excuses and that. Uh, they reduce transport fares forthwith because, uh, there will be no justification whatsoever for them, uh, to continue to charge the sort of high fares we are seeing. If this is done, Sander, our expectation will be that the kind of prices you find on the market, like your introductory, uh, bit said, uh, prices could cool down a bit, could cool off, uh, the markets, uh, that have been boiling the past few weeks, uh, could actually cool down And Ghanaians can have a very normal Christmas, as uh, we would all expect. But the transport operators would need to start and show their way immediately.
2: Very well. Thank you so much for your time, Duncan. Thank you, Sander. That's Duncan Amua, he's Executive Secretary of the Chamber of Petroleum Consumers, COPEC. Now, let's hear from the Ghana Private Road Transport Union. Godfred Abubre is the General Secretary. Godfred, you're welcome to Eyewitness News.
8: Thank you, my brother. How are you?
2: i'm doing well and uh it looks like we are having some bonus coming our way before christmas and the expectation is that you the commercial bus operators would transfer that to us as well or make it translate it to us what, what's your reaction
9: uh,
8: you uh, i i i get a bit surprised when they say that uh there is a bonus coming and i i you could also hear uh, that kanamwa said that we will have no reason to give an excuse that we will not uh, renew the first. You see, I, I just want to please uh, record that. Whenever fares are supposed to be increased, we do have a survey to gather all the increments on all the components that determine the running cost of commercial cars. And we have been saying this often and often. And then we don't want to present that survey report to the means of transport, and then we all sit around and do our own mathematics, I mean, you know, by what margin we can adjust our fares, and then to be able to put ourselves in business. And I also want to at least, uh, recall that we had said since November 2021, that the rush in increasing fares is not to our interest. It has some uh, negative effect on our business. We have said that. Now, if we have not done the sort of the damage it has done for this particular period we all see, by February of the 7.99, jumping to March, and by May, it came to 11.49, and then by June, it came to uh, 12 point something, and then it was May that we increased by 60%, and then June, we were up to now, I uh, just want to bring it back to October. Before we had to increase the fare of 90%, the figure was 15.99, running up to a 16, uh, uh, CD per, price per liter. Now, we had agreed and adjusted our fare by 90%. Two days later, within that, it shot up to the 23.49 or 0.50, as we all saw. Now, the only part on that side was that, there was no further negotiation, there was no further call for another roundtable meeting as to whether what line of approach we have to take on this sharp increment. From the 16th, another eighteen was bumped into it. Now, it was less ajar, and then most of the transporters bridges had adjusted, some adjusted by their own margins. This is the fact I'm telling you. And if you recall, there was no community issued, justify the margin we have increased so what is happening is that in four price now has started to come down from three point four nine or point five zero down to twenty point four four now to eighteen point four four as they were and then the total is about 18 point nine nine or so if the general public it's putting pressure and then the need for car that we must reduce our fares. I think we will have to actually give further information, a very better explanation as to why we think we still need a uh, further observation of the situation. And now, tomorrow, as I speak to you, we will be holding a meeting of that sort with the Minister of Transport. We are going to hold a meeting with him. Maybe around three or four of them. In that regard, the call has reached him, and he says that, why can't we come out, and by what margin do we think we can reduce our faith? So all two executives, and then the office of the GNCC, we will meet him in the minister to discuss and discuss issues on that same direction. But for now, we think that we still need some kind of special observation of the situation, not to rush and tell us to increase GPLQs, And by the next person we know, it goes up, and then they tell us that we should increase
2: again. It will not be fair. So, everything you have just said now means that we should not expect the fares of transport to reduce.
10: No.
2: What one thing can make you reduce your fares? So, for instance, if we saw another 10% drop by tomorrow, would you reduce your fares?
8: Yes, I, I I just want to uh, make that point more clearer. You see, the fact that if it comes down to the 50 or now, even the 60, as I mentioned, it will fair and fair to to our customers. To now talk about what fair dashing to a certain level, and I can I can tell you that we are not making good business now because of the high cost of the fare. That's I can make it more honest to you that if it comes down to that margin. We don't need so much
2: call as I don't to raise the fares. My girlfriend, you see, when you make statements like the one you've made, people would accuse you of uh, being insensitive. When you increased your fares, it was understood because of the cost of fuel. Cost of fuel goes down, and you are still insistent on being charging what you have been charging when the cost was higher. Honestly, that becomes difficult for people to comprehend. Why can't you simply adjust your fares alongside the fuel pumps?
8: Yeah, as a journalist, I believe whenever we talk about fair increment, we do ask what are the components that that are used to determine our fair increment. Yes, all those we have been saying, yeah. we have been saying, we have been saying that it is not only the fuel as you are saying now.
2: Yes, but over the past few months, your increases have been primarily caused by the cost of fuel, not the cost of spare parts, not the cost of maintenance and others. I don't think so,
8: I don't think so. If we watch within that period that fuel was galloping, dollar was equally galloping, and it affected all the
2: spare parts. And dollar is coming down now. So dollar is coming down, fuel is coming down. Why are you not reducing the transport fees? That
8: is why we are saying that. We are going to do a very close observance of this particular situation. And by the next time it comes out, we don't need
2: somebody to tell us to read the face. I said that. Very well. Let's leave it here. Thank you for speaking to us. Thank you too. That's Godfred Abulbere, his general secretary of the Ghana Private Road Transport Union. Let's go to the markets. The Ghana Union of Traders Association Guta is a group of traders that has been doing business in our markets, fighting foreigners, invading the market space. Doctor Joseph Obing is the president of that Association and he joins us on the line. Doc, you're welcome to Eyewitness News. Yeah, uh, thank you so much. If you were selling one, you know, what's the word, the one pound of um, electrical equipment at um, Opera Square to me for 100 CDs because you said that the dollar was going up. Now that the dollar is going down, I expect that you reduce it to 70 or 60.
11: <laughs> Thank you very much. It's not that simple, but um, let me take this opportunity that um, we've appealed to the conscience of our members to uh, try as much as possible to come down with the prices and um, to show good faith to the people of Ghana. Um, 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 what we are saying does not mean that we control um, the the uh, the trading activity. Uh, we control them. Uh, because we are not in a, a price control regime, we are in a liberalised trade. But what we are doing is that when the uh, SM rate was going up, you know that we are all troubled; our capitals were being depleted, and then we all um, uh, were disturbed. And then we encourage our members to up their prices because if you do not benchmark your prices with the uh, the dollar, then of course you are going to lose all your capital. And so we, um, the dollar went to the peak of about uh, 15.5. And on Monday, when I realized that the dollar has come to 12, then I thought it's a reasonable reduction that um, um, we should also respond positively um, by um, reducing our prices. And that's why um, we appealed to the um, trading community um, to do the same. But uh, we did that. With, uh, 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 with difficulty, knowing that uh, most of our uh, members have bought the dollar at a higher rate. You know, there was a panic buying, so most of us have bought the dollar at a relatively higher rate, and their goods um, are not even in. And so what we have done is to appeal to them and advise them that they should strike reasonable averages meaning that you might have some old stock, you might have bought some um, of the forests at higher price, and yet, too, you, you have the opportunity to buy when the dollar is low. So we track the nursery averages, and then we will be able to break even as well as transferring some of the gains that we are having in the nation um, to the consuming public. For the business that we do, we do not do it in isolation. We do it with um, the consuming public, the, our customers. So if our customers are uh, a challenge to the fact that um, they can, uh, because of affordability they cannot buy the goods or patronize the goods, then we are doing ourselves uh, harm. So that if there's opportunity, then we have to transfer some of the benefits to um, and the consuming public. And this is certainly what uh, we are trying to tell our members. And I know um, they started responding positively. And actually, it started responding last week before even the press statement came. And so, um, yes, we have to appeal to the questions of our members. But our expectation of this reduction should be measured. I think the um, Ghanaian consuming public should, be also, should also be fair. And knowing that our plight, that we have already incurred some losses by buying at a higher price, our goods are not yet in those that we have imported, and uh, yet we, we have to also compensate them with uh, some price reduction. Their expectations should be measured on these lines that are faced with.
2: Thank you so much for speaking to us. That's Dr. Joseph, Joseph for being his president of the Ghana Union of Traders Association, Guta. This is Eyewitness News on 97.3 CTFM. We are broadcasting from Adabraka in Accra. And around the globe, we are on ctnewsroom.com. Still ahead, we'll go to Morocco to you know gauge the mood ahead of that crucial uh, game they have against the uh, defenders of the World Cup, France, tonight, and uh, which is a semi-final game, the first time an African team... Is going this far. But before then, we'll talk about this.
3: If we stop being beggars and spend Africa's monies inside the continent, Africa would not need to ask for respect from anyone.
0: Eyewitness News. Be there as it happens.
3: Let your voice be heard on Eyewitness News on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash city97.3. Twitter at twitter.com forward slash city973. And Instagram at instagram.com forward slash city973. With the hashtag Eyewitness News.
2: You're welcome back to Eyewitness News on 97.3 CTFM. We are broadcasting from Adabraka in Accra around the globe on City Newsroom. Now, you do know that there's a big game coming up tonight, a game that will make Africa proud if it goes the way that we're hoping it goes. Morocco is coming up against France in the semifinals of the World Cup in Qatar. And this has got Africans excited. We're going straight to Rabat. Now I speak to a Moroccan journalist in Rabat, Ahmed, who joins us on the line now. Ahmed, you're welcome to CTFM in Accra.
12: Omaru, thank you very much for calling me to speak to you. It's really a big pleasure.
2: How is the mood in Rabat and uh, you know Casablanca and all the big cities in Morocco tonight?
12: Look, Omaru, this is a great festival, football festival. It's like we are celebrating a national day here. You find people uh, uh, rushing to cafes now. All cafes are already full. And people remove, uh, put extra chairs. There are women, children, and people who never took interest in, in football are now following this today's game because it's a really important game for Morocco, for Africa, and for all people, all fans who feel who wish Morocco success.
2: You've talked about people who are not even interested in football are interested now. How high up has been the celebrations last week when you? Beat Portugal. We had that. Your king was on the street celebrating himself. Tell us more about how the celebrations were when you beat Portugal. Yeah, and is, preparations this, tonight
12: look after after the after the, the recent wins. People take spontaneously to the street and celebrate together, raising flags and sometimes lighting fl- uh, flames. It's it's a it's a win for a nation. It's not really a win. For, it's not just a football game. It's a message of hope. It's a message of self confidence, not only uh, that Morocco is trying to send to this team, it's a message that Africa needs to believe in its own potential it needs people, African people to lead uh, to to lead its football teams because they are better placed to understand the African mentality and to unlock its potential, and this is what Morocco is doing now with this football team, which is sending a message of hope, as I said, because the world now looks and realizes that Africa is able to uh, reach the semi-final, like to, to be to become one of the biggest uh, of best uh, four teams in the world. This is a really important message that is beyond Morocco as a nation. It's also a win for for the continent and a win for the uh, all people who support Morocco with in Arab-speaking countries or in the Muslim world or even in the West where there are also people who are really enjoying the Moroccan team's performance.
2: How big is football in Morocco?
12: Look, this is a football nation, and this is something, uh, something else that this, this tournament in Qatar is showing us. If you see the number of Moroccan fans in stadiums so far, they were always the majority of fans in, in stadiums in which Morocco played recently, they were Moroccans. Because football is the first, it's the most popular sport in Morocco. And if you see titles like African championships recently for clubs, you see Moroccan clubs all uh, taking leadership in recent years. Like this year, for example, the the African, uh, Moroccan clubs won three African titles. And the Moroccan, even Moroccan women, women team, national team uh, went to the final and lost Don't remember. Probably lost to South Africa, if I still remember. But they went to the final, so this is not what I would like to say. The 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 performance of the Moroccan team or its achievements in this World Cup is not uh, some surprise or something unexpected. There is work that is being done. And the national team is not only made of people, players who who believe in Morocco and who are playing in Europe or born and raised in Europe and who made the choice of their heart to play for Morocco. But there are also players who were trained here in Morocco and who made it to the national team and now they are playing at the world stage.
2: Talk to us about your head coach. Often African teams have... um... Europeans or other foreign nationals as their head coach. We are told your head coach is Moroccan, and he took this job what just three months ago?
10: Uh, yeah, the national coach,
12: the Walid Greghi, who was a former international player from Morocco, is he, he, he is an experimented coach because he led he led recently with Casablanca, one of the major teams in Morocco, to win a uh, continental title, and he also led uh, the FUS, uh, FUS Rabat. To uh, win the national championship So he started with Mar- with, with leading Moroccan clubs To uh, win cups Then he was hired to lead the Moroccan, uh, the Moroccan national team In this World Cup And he is showing uh, wisdom He is showing uh, discipline And he is also showing uh, self-confidence And uh, uh, the capacity to dare to dream And he always speak, repeats this and really a message I wanted to tell, to tell you here in this, uh, because in Ghana, we, I mean, there is this, uh, you, you are majority English speaking, and in Morocco they are more, uh, the media here is more uh, in speaking in French or Arabic, but, some, but, but if you follow the recent, the recent press conference with Walid Regragui, like he said, and he repeated over and over again, that he will defend African football. And that he will show that African football is not to be taken uh, lightly. That it is advanced. It has a potential to compete at the higher level. That African teams are not just here in World Tournament to entertain and, and leave at, at group stage. They are here to compete for the title. Why not? Like if African countries and including Morocco start to think this way, try to start to believe in their own potential and to play with with global uh, with the, this um, um, advanced team as equals they can make it if they dare to believe.
2: You repeatedly use the word Africa. I've seen lots of debates on social media suggesting that, well, Moroccans are Arabs, and even though they're on the African map, they are not necessarily African. Is that something that you also hear back home, and how does that make you feel if you do?
12: Uh, I do not know where this comes from, but if you ask people, for example, from Senegal, our immediate African neighbors with whom we have historical ties that transcend that religious ties even like if you see in Senegal, Mali there are Sufi uh, traditions that have shrines who, who, whose founders have shrines in Morocco who come for, for pilgrimage in Moroccan pilgrimage sites if you see uh, the human ties that we have with this uh, West Africa they know Morocco very well but probably some countries in English in Africa they do not know uh, a lot about Morocco but, st- but what I can say is that Morocco it goes without saying it's an african country by its geography by its population and morocco means a lot of things for arabs they consider it an arab country because uh, because m- much of its population speaks arabic but still the, the country's uh, main uh, stock uh, is amazigh the berbers the berbers are, or amazigh people are uh, north african people they did not come from uh, anywhere else they have been always here so North Af- Morocco is a North African country by its geography, by its population, by its language, and also by, uh, by, by, by its. It's an African sports leader now, mm, mm. leading by example. It's not like leading like that. And when you see the Moroccan coach saying this in press conferences, it's more than enough. Mm. We, our continent, is Africa, and. The gap now that we have in Moroccan national football is to to win again an an African Cup of Nations because we have only one. We are doing great in the World Cup, but we still need to compete uh, more to win uh, an African title.
2: Let's talk about the game tonight. You've beaten Spain, you've beaten Portugal, but France, that's a big one.
12: Uh
2: Are you sure that you can really do well?
12: Well, this game probably is the hardest in the, in, in the World Cup. I've been talking to people here in Morocco. They are not. There is the good thing about, about about the Moroccan team, the players, the coach, and also the Moroccan audience is that they are really uh, that they, they don't underestimate. Uh, they don't underestimate their opponents, unlike uh, some opponents. Unfortunately. So, the game with with France is not going to be easy at all because this is a semi-final game. But people here. Are already proud. They see their Moroccan team is playing the semi-final. I mean, it's one of the four best football nations now in the world. The game is not going to be easy, but they have all it takes. They have world-class players. They have uh, they have the fans. They are supported by thousands of fans in stadiums and millions outside the stadium. This 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 game means a lot for developing nations for people who have, who need, who still need to unlock their potential, who need to believe in their own talents to compete at world stage. Mm, but mm. again, as I said, this did not come, this is not the fruit of chance. There is work being done, long-term work. Mm. There are schools that teach football in Morocco. I see. If, if people it, who want to be grateful.
2: If they win tonight, have you yes. been promised a holiday or they have been promised some money by, by the Moroccan government?
12: Look, life here is really normal. It's life as usual during the day. But two hour, two to three hours before the match, you see people wearing national jerseys. You see festive uh, scenes. You see people celebrating, selling flags, all the flags, stuff like that. But there is nothing that such as national holiday, we don't have... Uh, like, because the Moroccan wins will uh, stop working, I don't think so. Because okay. much of Moroccan economy is a private sector economy, so... Private sector as its own uh, logic, but but uh, people like today they went to school. Schools were open, administrations were open, like hmm. uh, life as normal, because the match the match starts at eight o'clock here.
2: What's your personal prediction? Sorry. What is your prediction? Your, what are you predicting? What would be the score line?
12: Well, if we get to win one 0 uh, no, one zero, it will be. Uh, will be really largely satisfying because if you see the tactic of I'm not really well placed to talk about tactics, but I can just. Tell
2: I no, can I just, just wanted coach, your prediction. So but, one, one nail is fine. Thank for, you, thank uh, you so much for speaking to us, yeah. Ahmad and wish you all the best. And uh, we are supporting you here.
12: Thank you. Oh, wonderful. Thank you very much. Uh, really, we, we have really great respect for Ghana team in Morocco because they, they we we know. Ghana, through a football team, mostly.
10: Indeed,
2: thank you. It
12: just a very good team, and this year they made it to the World Cup. We wish you good luck in the next tournament.
2: Thank you so much. That's Ahmed, he's a journalist based in Rabat, the capital of Morocco, speaking to us about that game coming up uh, tonight, uh, the game against France. And um, one step forward, a huge step it is forward for Africa, indeed,
0: are too
2: excited. I'm excited. I mean, Morocco is it your team? It's my is it your it's my team? continent, you know. My <laughs> continent, you know, that's the last country before you yes, go I'm through supporting. the Sahara Desert and then you enter Europe. Yeah. So, Charlie, that is that's I'm our body. Argentina, by the way, which Argentina?
0: Argentina, to tonight, tonight no, what? no, not tonight, I tonight, mean, who are you supporting? You will come to that. Can we go to President
2: in France? They are not to be in Morocco. They <laughs> are supporting France.
0: I have my personal reasons.
2: So you support Morocco? I don't think so. Oh, God. We'll, yes. we'll collect your Ghana, Ghana card from you. <laughs> I go. <laughs>
0: Please tell
2: us about <laughs> the
0: President of well, is urging African leaders to stop begging for arms from the Western world. The President contends that Africa is not accorded the needed respect due to its patience for begging for funds from the West. He spoke at the opening of the U.S.-Africa Leaders Summit in Washington, D.C.,
3: If we stop being beggars and spend Africa's monies inside the continent, Africa would not need to ask for respect from anyone. We would get the respect we deserve. Over 30 years ago, one of America's most prestigious Ivy League universities offered a course in Mandarin, which for years had virtually no takers. Today, there is standing room only. And it is not because the course is any easier. It is because the position of China has changed. 30 years ago, 20 years ago, China was nowhere near where it is today. China does not ask for anyone for respect now. She does not need it. Let us make our continent the prosperous and joyful place it should be.
0: Voice of President Sekoufathode. Eyewitness News. Be there as it happens. Get into the details. Details. Every
7: significant financial transaction, every market movement, and all the policies that affect your
0: business. City Business News. Be informed.
4: Time now for City Business News and Eyewitness News powered by citybusinessnews.com. My name is Netelinete Ajahu. Let's settle for the details. Economist and lecturer at the University of Ghana Business School, Dr. Patrick, assuming his charged government to hasten efforts and put in place measures to invest more into domestic production to reduce the rate at which foreign products are imported at high costs. This, according to him, will check the rise of food inflation in the country. It comes as Ghana's inflation rate has soared further to hit 50.3% for the month of November 2022 per the data food inflation hit 55.3% and non-food inflation also shot up by 7.2% to hit 46.5% in an interview city business news dr Assuming believes a focus on investment in the agri sector will help salvage the country's situation
9: you know when when food when, when food prices are rising generally there are two things happening either something is happening on the demand side that means demand for food is growing or maybe the supply is not catching up to the demand, or both. In this case, it seems like a number of cost-push factors has really led to, uh, you know, issues with food production. So it seems to me that the food inflation we are seeing is not necessarily because people are trying to consume more food; it's simply because the cost of producing food has uh, has gone up. So we really need more investment in the food production sector and uh, to increase the efficiency with which we we spend uh, in, in the area of agriculture so i think yes obviously when food the food produce is not enough then people will struggle to get the food then uh, and then it's also related to the fact that prices will go up so when prices So when we don't produce enough food, the prices will rise. And that means that many people will struggle to be able to afford purchasing the food.
4: Economist Dr. Patrick Isumin speaking there. Energy consultant Benjamin Nsien is tipping the price of petrol to hit 14 Ghana cities per liter or lower soon. This represents about a 10% drop in the current price of the commodity, which currently stands at an average of 15.4 cities a liter. It comes as a major relief for consumers after FUWA was almost sold at 18 Ghana cities a little last month. Mr Nsinha has been explaining what is accounting for this anticipated drop in prices.
13: So beginning 16th, petroleum users should expect quite drastic decline in the price of petroleum products because of one, the city has seen stability and appreciating against the dollar and two, uh, prices of petroleum products on the international market are continuously uh, declining so I expect that uh, beginning this particular date uh, prices of petroleum products would uh, decline by about at least 10 uh, percent and that means that uh, petrol will go for a maximum of uh, 14 Ghana cities uh, per litre and diesel will go for a maximum of uh, 16 Ghana cities 80 pesos per litre however due to competition uh, others are likely to sell petrol Uh, below uh, 13 Ghana cities, uh, beginning this particular uh, window. And then others are also likely to sell uh, diesel uh, below uh, 16 Ghana cities. And the reason is that uh, there are many OMCs and many BDCs. And uh, because of the competition, others would like to uh, decrease uh, their prices uh, so they can stay in business and also serve. Uh, the petroleum user
4: Benjamin Ncian is an energy consultant Minister of Communications and Digitalization, Esla Owusu-Kufu, says more must be done to increase the number of women in science, technology, engineering, and mathematics sector STEM-related careers in the country. According to the Ministry of Communications, as of 2021, only 30% of women in Ghana are in STEM-related careers, with the aim of increasing the percentage to 40 by 2031. In an interview with City Business News on the sidelines of the launch of Seats for Ladies in STEM organized by the Ghana Chamber of Telecommunications, as Lawusu said, the ministry will do all it can to support women in this direction in order to bridge the pay gap between women and men, as well as accelerate socioeconomic development.
14: That if we give our young people the skills that they require, they can compete in the global world of work within the next 10 years. They're already doing... Exploits In many of the meetings in which we have gone, where they've been given an opportunity, they are winning Mm -hmm. awards, uh, innovations from Ghana are winning international awards, Um, the world class, uh, we're utilizing it. Many of the interventions that we're using in our country today were developed by Ghanaian entrepreneurs, tech entrepreneurs. And we can mention the national ID, the digital property address system, even our mobile money interoperability system, even the SIM registry application, they were all developed by local Ghanaian companies. So if we give them the chance, and government is the largest procurer of goods and services, so if government also procures these innovative um, applications and systems developed by our young people, it also gives them a chance to grow and and showcase what they are doing on the national and international arena we are committed to supporting that development
4: that was the minister of communications and digitalization ursula owusu ikufo government has committed over 400 million dollars as loans for the development of the pharmaceutical industry this is in line with government's intention of developing a pharmaceutical manufacturing policy to turn out pharmaceutical products in the country the policy, when fully rolled out, will also attract investment for the industry and boost the economic fortunes of the nation. Deputy Trade and Industry Minister Michael Otribefi made these comments during the India-Ghana Pharma Business Summit in Accra.
7: Government in its bid to attract investment into these industries is developing the pharmaceutical manufacturing policy and a new policy with its incentive package. To be able to strategically attract investment in the area of uh, pharmaceutical business. I guess you know that we are only doing about 30% of the whole pharmaceutical demand business in Ghana. And so we have a lot to do to be able to meet the target. And so that gap, 70% gap need to be filled. And that's how come series and summit like this is very important. It also interests you to note that government through the policy of 1D1F has advanced through the PFIs. Participating financial institutions have given out $415 million in the form of loans to support musical industries to be able to operate well in this country. So government is doing everything possible to give support so that we'll be able to work well and develop the industry.
4: That was the Deputy Minister of Trade and Industry Michael Autry Beffi. And that's it for City Business News. On eyewitness news, it was powered by your most comprehensive business website, citybusinessnews.com. My name is Netelinete Ajaho. Up next is point blank.
3: Let your voice be heard on Eyewitness News on Facebook at Facebook.com forward slash city 97.3. Twitter at Twitter.com forward slash city 973. And Instagram at Instagram.com forward slash city 973. With the hashtag Eyewitness News.
0: Eyewitness News. Be there as it happens.
2: This is Point Blank on Ironness News. My name is Umaru Rusandam. Tonight on Point Blank, the Roads and Transport Committee of Parliament has expressed worry over the Ministry of Roads' high indebtedness of 5, 5.9 billion cities to contractors at the Ghana Road Fund Secretariat. This follows the approval of an amount of over 295 Ghana cities for the services of the Ministry of Roads and Highways for the year 2023. Here's a minority leader, Haruna Idrisu, urging the government to ensure the payment of arrears owed the road contractors.
15: Serving of today's order, people, them serving that this honorable house approved the sum of 5,295,339,626 cities. For the services of the Ministry of Roads and Highways for the year ending 31st December 2023. I so move, Mr. Speaker. Uh, thank you. Motion move by the Minister. In so doing, I'll present your committee's report. Mr. Speaker, your committee met the officials from the Ministry of Roads and Highways on Tuesday, the 6th of December, to consider their budget estimate for the year 2023. Mr. Speaker, In view of limited time on Masai, I wouldn't want to go through the entire report, but I will select a few portions of it and urge the answer department to capture the entire report as being read. Mr. Speaker, when we met the officials at the committee level, one of the key issues that came before the committee was delay uh, in payments to contractors. Mr. Speaker, the Ministry made us understand that as a result of delays in payments to contractors, it's uh, affecting the Ministry's work. It's affecting some ongoing projects. And as a result of that, we urge the Finance Ministry to ensure that uh, they release funds timely to the Ministry so that they can Pay contractors so that they can also carry on or go on with the continue with ongoing project. Another issue too was on paragraph 9.5 indebtedness of the ministry. Mr. Speaker, we are at the committee level. We, we are made to uh, understand that if you put uh, the current indebtedness to contractors in terms of uh, interim payment certificates that have been raised by. Contractors under road fund and a uh, GOD, uh, it is almost about 10 billion. And, Mr. Speaker, this is a very serious issue. 10 billion. Yeah, very serious issue that needs to be addressed immediately. Because, Mr. Speaker, if we don't pay as, the, as this money piles up or keeps increasing, it will be attracting or delaying you to be attracting uh, delay pay, uh, interest on delay payment. So, at the end of the day, it is. A country that uh, will, will suffer and that will be paid more. So uh, we are urging the Finance Ministry to ensure that they have to come out with a plan, proper plan, so that we uh, will be able to uh, show us how this indebtedness will be cleared, this 10 billion will be cleared. And it's an issue that we have taken up and we believe the Ministry will look at it going forward. The last issue is 9.6 Paragraph 9.6 Talking about the capping of the road fund Road infrastructure is very key And we are aware Everybody calling for you, Everybody wanting to, to be constructed The only way that we can About 80% of the money that you get For the road fund goes, It goes into Direct road infrastructure work And if They cap it it now creates a problem for the ministry because that is the money that they have to even use some for media maintenance and other things. So, Mr. Speaker, the purpose of the fund is to use the money to work on our roads. And therefore, it is important that even if we want to cap it, it will not be that because we, in this house we have, cap, we have passed a law to cap it but we should find a way at this sector is very critical and therefore we cannot cap it cap the road fund to the detriment of the, of the ministry whereby they find it difficult to even get money to pay the contractors so we are urging the finance minister to look at how he has been capping the fund that goes to the road fund which is being used to pay road contractors because if you want the road contractors to do the work then we need to ensure that we don't cap it Accessible, which will create a lot of problems for the ministry. Yes, because I will move straight to conclusion. And after we have considered all this matter at we were convinced, and we think uh, the budget allocation for the year need to be approved. And therefore, I am recommending to the House for the approval of an amount of five billion. 295 million 355 thousand <coughs> 626 Ghana City for the activities of the Ministry of Roads and Highway <coughs> for the financial year ending 31st December 2023. 20, Mr. Speaker, I respectfully submit. Okay. Mr. Speaker, I will start from where my chairman just uh, uh, stopped. Mr. Speaker, if you look at uh, appendix 2B of the 2023 20, budget. The finance ministry is projecting that, uh, road fund will generate about, uh, 2 billion Ghana City this year. But Mr. Speaker, if we turn to page 4 of the report, there's a table there that talks about, uh, some allocations that have been dispersed. Road fund, 612 million. Fidelity, 791 million. Uh, 256 million. Mr. Speaker, the total of this money is just about 1.6 billion. Basically what it means is that all that we've been spending from GOG on road is less than what the road fund generates. So government itself doesn't put a penny into road construction in this country. The sad story is that though, Mr. Speaker, whilst the road minister, as my chairman said, owes contractors in excess of 10 billion, these money are generating interest. Sometimes it gets to a point where forty percent of what is given to is paid out is interest. It's of no value to the ministry, no value to, the, uh, to the, the the contractor, no value to anybody. So, Mr. Speaker, why do you collect people two billion and and not give them and rather go to Fidelity and go and raise a fund? Mr Speaker, this cannot continue, like my chairman is saying. And also often when we approve this. And then we complain later. Somebody will say, "Were well, you sleepy when you approved it?" For me, for me, I'm approving this on condition, I'm supporting this on condition that the finance ministry should take a critical look at decapping the road fund because it is counterproductive to cap the road fund and now pay interest on it. Mr. Speaker, it be important that we urge the minister to bring the road fund up back to Parliament also. When we contribute money to the road fund. And the road minister has no control over the fund. Road contractors are paid sometimes at the Ministry of Finance. Why, why, why should the finance ministry be paying road contractors? Meanwhile, the money actually belongs to the road ministry. Should we not be paying this money into an escrow rather, so that we can hold the road minister accountable for the utilization of that money? I think the road minister should consider that, Mr. Speaker. Then we go to uh, page 9 arrangement on Tamamoto Way, Mr. Speaker. Mr. Speaker, the Tamamoto Way, if we were to take the minister's statement from 2019, 2020, and 2021, the Akira Tamamoto Way should have been at least 60-70% complete now. Mr. Speaker, I'm afraid the minister's proposal in Paragraph 9 is still going to lead us perpetually to not doing anything on the motorway. Mr. Speaker, I am not aware of any PPP project on any road project in this country which is viable. I am not aware that the ministry has engaged any PPP on any road project which is ongoing successfully. The closest we we saw was the, how do you call it, Pukwasi, Tos and Insawang. Which is Called co funding. Mr. Speaker, we encourage the Minister to look at another alternative of funding that attracts the Mamoto Way. What the Finance Minister is proposing here will perpetually lead you to be promising and trailing. He's setting you up for another failure. Run away from him. Tell him to change this agreement. This particular one is not in your interest. Mr. Speaker, this is my advice to uh, our senior colleague, the Road Minister, on this. Mr. Speaker, delay payment to contractors. Mr. Speaker, I am sure you know contractors. Everybody in this house know contractors that have worked and are not being paid. Mr. Speaker, I have a particular case of a 76-year-old lady who has done roadside cutting. The lady is suffering from kidney failure currently. His 16,000 ganasini is still in arrears. Mr. Speaker, the road fund can pay this. And whilst I'm talking, the deputy leader, who is the chairman of the road fund board, should have been making effort to pay this lady. But he is not doing anything about it. He not even listening to me. Mr. Speaker, you see what I'm I am saying? He is not even listening to me. You are be out better. of order to personalize your debate. So, Mr. Speaker, the lack of uh, the delayed payment to contractors is making us all poor. And the difference is that when the, these contractors leave site, the roads deteriorate and we pay more for it. Mr. Speaker, the last point I want to make is the reintroduction. Uh, of uh, the road to, Mr. Speaker, I will thank the Minister for gathering the courage uh, for suggesting the reintroduction of the road toll. I don't know what the Senior Minister and your former General Secretary who told Mr. Speaker to go and collect the tolls himself, if he want to collect it, will be saying today. And I've heard people on the other side saying that they are introducing the toll only on selected roads. May I ask you if all the roads in Ghana have ever been told? No. Tory has always been on selected roads in this country. So there's no point saying that when you introduce it, it will be on selected roads. Those uh, roads in Adapu were never told. So we don't take any interest in telling you we told you so. But the same principle by which we told you don't cancel or suspend the road to we are standing on the same principle by saying that we support you bringing the road toll back. We are even ready to discuss how much you should charge. In fact, Mr. Speaker, if my chairman drives a V8 and you charge him five cities for crossing the motorway, Ganeers will not cry for him. Because if he can afford to drive a V8, he should be able to pay that. But the same way, do not go and introduce a new road toll regime without thorough consultation with stakeholders, including parliament, so that we can agree on how much we can raise. Mr. Speaker, we believe we can build some roads on the back of road tolls. It cannot be the only thing we do, but we will support the minister... Uh, If it brings uh, that uh, into uh, Uh, the the equation. Mr. Speaker I've already talked about the capping of the road fund, and I don't think it's in the interest of this house to support or keep supporting the capping of the road fund particularly. We need to decap the road fund so that the minister can get access to the 2.5 billion that we project the road fund will generate this year uh, for us to improve our roads in this country. With this year, Mr. Speaker, I thank you for the opportunity. Access to durable quality roads. Remains a challenge in my constituency, in Bequai, and in many other constituencies that are crying for attention for work that have commenced to be completed. Mr. Speaker, ordinarily, I should be asking for us to set aside this report and not proceed to approve it. I hope that the Minister for Roots will be at a game with me. Mr. Speaker, this report. Should be approved only when the Minister for Finance comes to assure us that road fund will no longer be cut. That should be the position of this House. It should come to this House that will only approve your budget on condition that it liberalizes and gives you freedom to have access to your road fund. Now Speaker, may I refer you to page 14, the paragraph 9.4. The requirement for the road sector is 15.4 billion. 15.4. And, Mr. Speaker, let's not take this matter for granted. When you award a road contract, contractor is aside. he has done a certain amount of work. If for two to three years you don't pay the contractor to tolerate into a state even before you awarded it, that occasion that cost to the state. You have already paid money to the contractor. And Mr. Speaker, again, my observation. Many of the contractors who borrowed money from those financial institutions that have sold collapsed, collapse, payments to them didn't go to the contractor. It went to the banks, the receiver. So the contractor, it meant that the contractor didn't get money to go back to site, to continue work. So Minister for Roads, that the deterioration of work done already is not acceptable to us that we should come back and say that we should capital of road fund. We should take a position. We will not approve your report. We will not approve this report. Let the Minister for Finance come and assure us that road fund has been taking off capital. Because, Mr. Speaker, every day I get calls from contractors for non-payments. Non-payments. A friend of mine who is on one of the major roads in Kumasi called me, Mr. Speaker. My chief, you have to hear me. Now, Haruna, there are no He said this morning there are no because i was a month A friend of mine. So, Mr. Speaker, the road contractors are saying that when will you pay them? Don't Then, Minister, what the Honourable Kwame Abuja have raised, I'm looking at it from a different uh, angle. And, Mr. Speaker, may I refer you to page 4 of the report. When in your committee's report, Chairman, you say Fidelity, we don't know what Fidelity means. If you want to say Fidelity Bank, say so, because government must know its obligations to Fidelity Bank, because we know that some of the certificates have been serviced by them. What is the amount of money outstanding in respect of Fidelity Bank? Are we to count that as part of the arrears or to the road sector or to the road fund? We need to know. We just put in a red and say fidelity. Fidelity doesn't mean anything to us. If you want to say fidelity, by Mr. Speaker page four, say so. But when you say bonds, which bonds are you referring to? We just say bonds. And then Mr. speaker fidelity, I've seen seven hundred and ninety one million two hundred Seven hundred ninety one two hundred thousand zero six nine point eighty two in respect of fidelity. So if you are saying fidelity bank say so. Then the bonds. Who bonds are you talking about? Mr Speaker, this is this is a house of record. We should know how much money government have taken from Fidelity Bank in the name of payment of contractors. But my position, Mr Speaker, is that this report should be put aside until we are assured by the road minister that he will pick up the road fund, then we can proceed. So, Mr. Speaker, you see, road fund, he anticipates to make over $2 Mr. Speaker, give all that money to the minister for roads, because even that already is inadequate for the road sector. My worry, Mr. Speaker, is that if you go further into the report, We are told that the rural sector, I think in in, in the last uh, paragraph, Mr. Speaker, they say they owe this year indebtedness of the ministry is 5.9 billion.
2: The voice of Haruna Idrisu, Minority Leader and MP for Tamale South, ending that discussion on the floor of Parliament. And that would be it for Eyewitness News tonight. My name is Umaru Sanda Amadou. Production by Bevelin Landon, Hansen Ajiman and Fred Teti Jabano. Technical support from Daniel Squashi as well as the new media team here at CTFM and CDTV. We'll be back tomorrow at 17.30 GMT. Thank you for listening. Have a good night.
13: City News. We speak first.
7: Reach our hotline on 0302-224959
10: and get interactive on Facebook, City 97.3 FM and on Twitter at City 973.